Jude chapter 1, it's the only chapter. Jude chapter 1, we only have one chapter in Jude. We're going to cover verses 4 through maybe 7 today. I don't know if we're going to get that far now. We covered the first three verses, the introduction, how Jude told us his original intention in writing this letter was to talk about the doctrine of salvation, oh, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. But he said, wait a minute, uh, late-breaking Fox News alert. There are people bringing false doctrine, false teachings into the church, specifically Gnosticism, antinomianism, and so forth. And he says, I'm going to have to talk about that instead because it's very dangerous to the body of Christ. These men are creeping in to our midst, bringing these false doctrines. We're going to have to talk about it. So that's where we've been up to this point. We pick it up in verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Woo. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain or their first estate, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Another light, fluffy passage from your New Testament. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this passage in Jude. We know it's important or it wouldn't be in there. We know that you spoke to Jude. You inspired him through the Holy Spirit to send this letter, not just to the group of believers that he wrote to 2,000 years ago, but as you have preserved it in your Holy Bible, your Holy Scriptures. It's intended for every believer of all ages. Help us to learn, grow, take heed of the warnings here. Just bless this time of study now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We left off here last week. Certain men have crept in unnoticed. Or, as one translation reads, secretly slipped in among you. As I told you last time, no wolf ever comes in, teeth gleaming in the light. I'm a wolf, how's it going? Matt, Matt. They come in like a sheep. But they're not really a sheep, they're a creep. Certain men have crept in unnoticed. I decided to name this message, Creepy Men. They were and are creeps. Because they creep. They secretly slip in among you. This is not the sequel to Grumpy Old Men, by the way. No, but they are with Creepy Men who long ago were marked out for this condemnation or whose condemnation was written about long ago. Because God knew from the very beginning of time and even before. He's the great I Am, the eternal one, right? He knew before the beginning of time that these men would arise and just as He foreordained us to salvation... It's that age-old mystery of election, predestination, 
foreknowledge. Here's how I like to explain it. I think it works pretty well. You see, the very hardcore form of Calvinism teaches that irresistible grace. You were chosen before the foundations of the earth, and if you were chosen, you're going to get saved whether you like it or not. And you know what? If you're not chosen, no matter how badly you might want to be saved, you're not going to be. That's hardcore Calvinism. That two-thirds of the churches in America today are Calvinist to one degree or another. Does that surprise you, seeing that God said in the last days there'd be a great falling away, a great apostasy? I don't worship John Calvin. I worship Jesus Christ. Amen. Calvinism also leads to unbridled eternal security. I was shared the Google postings. Was that last week I mentioned that? Where somebody had said that I was mocking eternal security. Pastor Chuck Smith, my mentor, my pastor, who's now with the Lord, he liked to say, we are eternally secure in Christ. Have you ever known a backslidden person that was secure? Huh? Every backslidden person I've known has been seriously worried about their eternal destination. Why is that? We're eternally secure in Christ. See, this hardcore Calvinism, this eternal security doctrine teaches you once you're saved, you can do whatever you want. You can't get unsaved. But if you go off and do your own thing and live a lifestyle of sin, just keep doing it. Well, the Arminianist would say, well, you used to be saved, but you're not anymore. The Calvinist would say, well, maybe you never really were. Because if you really were, you wouldn't go back into a lifestyle of sin. You see how you can just blow your mind? I got an easier way. Just follow Jesus. And when you do fall, when you do sin, be quick to confess and to repent. That's how we stay in right relationship with God. It's not by saying, well, hey, once saved, always saved, man. I can do whatever I want. I've met people like that. You know what? It's between them and God. But I certainly wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I'm not going to go there. We shouldn't want to go there. And that's really talking about creeps creeping in with false doctrines. These are the kind of things that they creep in with. But this idea of even as believers are foreordained, well, how is that fair then? What God looks out over the eons of human history and he says, ooh, I kind of like that guy. I think I'm going to save him. I like that gal. I'm going to save her. Oh, I don't like them. They're going to hell. That's not how it works. As the eternal great I am, he looks out over the eons of human history in advance, and he recognizes everyone that's going to embrace him. Do you see where I'm going? He knew you were going to accept him before you knew it. Therefore, if you're God and you're not, who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose someone that you know will reject you? Or are you going to choose someone that you know will accept you? Hello? That doesn't mean you don't love the ones who are going to reject you. In fact, you sent your son to die on the cross for them too. Talk about love. Talk about grace. Talk about mercy. I know you're never going to accept me, but I'm going to die for you anyway. Hello? God chooses those this is my idea, 
not my idea, but what I have received from those wiser than me and from the Holy Spirit. God chooses those he knows are going to choose him. That's foreknowledge. That's election. Because he knew you before you were ever even conceived in your mother's womb. He knew you would receive him, and therefore he chooses you. In the same fashion, these men that Jude is talking about, could be some women too, false teachers. According to Jude, God had the same foreknowledge about them. That not only would they not truly embrace him, they might act like it, they might talk like it, but by their fruit you shall know them. And in his foreknowledge, even as he chose you before the foundations of the earth, he chose them for destruction. Why? Because he's a big meanie? No. Because in his foreknowledge, he knew that not only would they never embrace him, they would actually creep in to the church and deceive many people who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Old Testament example, Deuteronomy 18.20, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die or be put to death. God takes it pretty seriously, doesn't he? A lot of these people should be thankful he doesn't operate the same way under the new dispensation as he did under the old. Because under the old, they'd be put to death. And no doubt there would be spiritual death included in that as well. Galatians 1, 8 and 9, Paul, writing to the Galatians, Even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Accursed doesn't sound too optimistic, does it? Paul's saying, even if I came back to you and brought you a different gospel, then I would be cursed. Once for all, what do we start the book of Jude with? That faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So anybody who comes along with a new spin, a new twist, well, that was then, but this is the 21st century. We're in the postmodern era. We've got to relate to people now in our time. And they changed the gospel of Christ. It's not my job to curse them, but God says they will be accursed. God's not the great I was or the great I will be. He's the great I am. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His message never changes. The whole world acts like, well, God's, God's got to get his act together and shape up or ship out here, man. This is the 21st century. Come on, God. Really? We're the ones that need to shape up or ship out, not God. Anybody that could try to make the case, the world just getting better and better, man. I don't know what you've been smoking. <laughs> the Bible seems to indicate that as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, but it's not popular to, to talk about these things, even though they're in the Bible. Man, 
I just want to be made to feel good. Encouraged, uplifted. That's okay. We can encourage and uplift, but we're not going to leave out the other stuff. Because it's in there for a reason. And I believe it's more applicable to our generation than any other generation in the last 2,000 years. I hate to say it, but it seems like most people that go to church today, they don't want to hear it. If, they don't, if, they don't, if I, I don't get up here and tell you how wonderful you are, you're going to go somewhere else. But I think it's been pretty well proven in the day and age we're living in. Most people would prefer to be lied to. I don't care if it's politics, religion, you name it. People would prefer to be lied to. Don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear it. Remember that Jack Nicholson line? You can't handle the truth. What a profound and prophetic statement. You want to see somebody just go berserk. Just speak a few words of truth to them. That's what's going on all around us. So you see a lot of people have made the choice, in the church world at least, well, they can't handle the truth, and I, I want my church to grow. We need more people. We need more money. So I'm just not going to go there. That's, that's the cold hard facts, folks. That's the church today. Not this church, but many churches. Because they find out every time they speak a few words of truth, somebody gets ticked off and leaves. You know what would tick me off if I went to a church and they didn't tell the truth? That would tick me off. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What are we here for if it's not to hear the truth? You can hear lies all day long, every day. Turn on your TV. Turn on your radio. Go, listen to the people in your office, your school. I mean, there are lies everywhere. Don't you want to hear the truth for a change? Yeah. Unbelievable. Thank you. Okay, so these creeps, according to Jude, they are godless men. But wait a minute. They're in the church. They've crept in unnoticed. They've secretly slipped in among you. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. But they're actually godless, Jude says, which means without a God or divine faith. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. How does that work? I'll tell you. They are actually their own gods. Which is just what, like what the New Age is saying. Only they're a little more open. Actually, some people, like Kenneth Copeland, Hagen, some of the faith guys over in Tulsa, down that direction, they have actually made statements like that. We are little gods. And they believe they have the power to speak things into existence. The only one I know that can do that is God, the creator of the universe. So there's a prime example of it happening right in our own lifetime. They are their own gods because they are the center of their own universe. You remember what some of them have done? I hate to say it because I... I watched Oral Roberts as a little kid. He was Assemblies of God. I grew up four square. They're like kissing cousins. I don't really have any animosity towards Oral Roberts. Do you remember when he said, 
God told me if you people don't give me $8 million, he's going to kill me. Do you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that. I'm surprised more of you don't remember. It was all over the news, not just in the Christian world, in the secular news. Oral Roberts needed money. He said, God told me if you guys don't come together, send me $8 million, God's going to kill me. Wow. Wow. I don't even know how somebody gets up the gall and the gumption to do something like that. I really don't. The only way I can explain it is they are the center of their own universe. Everything revolves around them. Benny Hinn, anybody that would dare to question or criticize him for his false doctrines, I'd like to get a Holy Ghost machine gun and just gun him down. How many of you remember that one? He said that. And when he says Holy Ghost machine gun, you know what kind he really means? He means a real machine gun. He just couched it in spiritual terminology. And then old Paul Crouch from TBN, who's I'm sick and tired of arguing about doctrinal doo-doo. Paul Crouch called doctrine doo-doo. And yet millions of people watch these people, send these people money, idolize these people. They are their own gods. They are godless and without a divine faith. They are fakes. They are phonies. And this is exactly what Jude was talking about. Did you know the devil loves religion? The devil loves religion. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness. Even he loves people who call themselves Christians, but they're really just religious. You see, if the devil can get you steeped and saturated in religion, he's as pleased as punch. Just as long as you don't know Jesus and have a relationship with him. You see? Just as long as you're sucked in and seduced by these creeps into a false belief system, false doctrines. To these folks, our God is just a vehicle by which they can attain and achieve their own self-centered desires and ambitions. Last time I checked, I haven't seen any of these guys living in little hovels or sacks on the poor side of town, Johnny Rivers. On the poor side of town. They all seem to be doing pretty well. Many of these TV preachers, faith preachers, healers, booksellers, I would believe would fall under this category. So, depending on what culture you're in, now we live in the Western world, Western society, which Christianity has dominated for almost 2,000 years now. But if Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius or Krishna would work, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, would work better, they would use one of them instead. And some have. But the greatest preponderance of wealth in the world is located in the U.S. and other Western nations. And for the most part, things have been changing. But at least up until now, for the most part, Jesus sells better. If he stops selling, they're going to get on another horse. I mean, we've already seen some of that. Rick Warren became a proponent of what they call Chrislam, the merging of Christianity and Islam, having joint worship services. How do you have a joint worship service with somebody who worships the devil? Huh? 
We've heard Avi Lipkin, our direct representative from Israel, who's an historical expert and genius. He's a walking, not just encyclopedia, he's a walking library. He can give you the entire history of Islam from its conception till the present day. Allah was the moon god, one of hundreds of gods, if not thousands, that the Arabs worshipped. They said, you know what? Christianity is monotheistic. They have one god. Judaism is monotheistic. They have one god. We Arabs are schizophrenic. If we're going to compete, this is true. I'm not making this up. If we're going to compete with Christianity and Judaism, then we're going to have to become monotheistic also. So which God are we going to choose? They decided on Allah, the moon God. Any other God except the real God is actually Satan in disguise. Oh boy. Good thing we have armed security here. I'm not worried about it really. I can't believe nobody's tried to shoot me already. It's, it's really surprising. I'm not asking. I'm not asking anybody. I'm not important. I'm a nobody. Nothing to see here. Move on. I mean, in their own book, the Quran, you know what the, the Muslims call Allah? The destroyer. You know who's the destroyer in the Bible? Satan. How can you have Chrislam? You're worshiping Satan and God in the same place at the same time? I don't think so. Paul said, What fellowship hath light with darkness? Come out from among them and be ye separate. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in the same temple as the devil. That's why in spite of, again, what many would teach, Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Don't use the devil as an excuse for your sin. Oh, the devil made me do it. I must be possessed. Please deliver me. No, just repent. I mean, sadly, there are some people out there who are genuinely demon-possessed. But if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost don't hang out with no demons. Get it? Okay. In fact, I put this challenge out before. I'll give $1,000 to anybody who can find one New Testament verse that proves Christians can be demon-possessed because it can't be done. And yet there are many church groups out there teaching that Christians can be demon-possessed and practicing exorcisms on people who aren't demon-possessed. Uh, there was a group of people that tried to do that to my wife one time. She started laughing, and then they started rebuking the, the mocking spirit. <laughs> they started rebuking, because she was cracking up at this. They're trying to cast a demon out of her. She's a born-again daughter of the God, filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not even sure why. Maybe she was a little bummed out or something. I don't remember what the scenario was. Maybe she was mad at me. And I wouldn't blame her if she was. Come out, thou vile spirit. <laughs> oh, now we got a mocking spirit. Look out. The crazy stuff that people do. Why? Because of creepy men. Creepy men. Who creep in. Ooh. Not going to make it all the way through today. Well, we had, listen, we had communion. We had special prayer. Don't blame me. 
Blame the Holy Spirit. Okay, and what do they do according to Jude? They turn the grace of God, our God into lewdness, or as one trash translation reads, a license for immorality. That's what we talked about at the beginning of this study. Gnosticism, antinomianism. All spirit is good, all flesh is evil, but because they're separate, you can be really spiritual, but then you can indulge your flesh, you can do whatever you want with the flesh. They turn the grace of our God into lewdness, a license for immorality. Virtually every cult group is characterized by the leader sleeping with all the women, right? David Koresh, remember? Branch Davidian, Moses, David, children of God, going all the way back to the 60s and 70s. That actor Joaquin Phoenix and his family were all part of the children of God, and that screwed them all up. Now they don't want to have anything to do with God. Lewdness, immorality. There was that guy Marjo Gortner. Remember Marjo? Anybody remember Marjo? He was a child evangelist way back, I don't know, 60s, 70s when it was, but um, his parents raised him to preach. He was a little kid preacher. He'd go around doing tent meetings all over the country, and of course his parents got a lot of money off of it. So he grew up, he became very bitter, disenchanted, and then he was uh, paid a good amount of money. They were going to make a movie. They portrayed it as a documentary. It was called Marjo. Mary and Joseph. He was named after Mary and Joseph. Marjo. And they followed him around the country, and he went around doing these fake tent meetings, revival meetings, evangelistic meetings. And then they would show him image of him in his hotel room afterwards, counting all the money, have some women in there and so forth, mocking Christianity because of this lewdness, this immorality, which could be not only sexual but monetary as well. Send in your money. Robert Tilton, remember him? He used to say, I got blood poisoning from laying on top of all your prayer requests. And then somebody went back of his building and found all their prayer requests in the dumpster. Robert Tilton, he used to speak in tongues into the camera. Do you remember him? Maybe not. Well, apparently you haven't experienced a lot of things that I wish I hadn't. But I'm glad I have because it's given me a deep understanding of what goes on and how this stuff works. And then there was Jim Baker. Hey, Jessica Hahn, I need a little massage. Supposedly he's been rehabilitated. He has a TV program again. I'm not going to judge the guy. But back in the day, his downfall was the result of money, his timeshares or whatever they were that he was selling in Florida, and his massage from his secretary, Jessica Hahn. And then, you're not even going to believe this one. I believe it. I can't corroborate it. I don't have firsthand knowledge. But I was told by a reliable source that one of these guys, one of these faith preachers, TV preachers, had purportedly told someone in confidence that um, because of his tremendous anointing in the Holy Ghost, you know, and all that, that God had told him he needed to spread his seed. And therefore, he was graciously sharing his seed with a number of different young women. Someone purporting to be a preacher of the gospel of Christ. This is the kind of stuff people don't want to hear, but if you don't hear it, then you're going to be subject to it. You're going to be taken in. You're going to be sucked in. Well, 
ma'am, I'd like to, you to meet me at the Hilton Hotel for a private counseling session. Right? They turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you heard the term universalism? That's where everybody gets to go to heaven no matter what you believe. Rob Bell wrote a book about that. He was at one time, I don't know what he's doing now, he was supposed to be one of the big new guys in the church, you know, progressive, seeker-friendly, all that stuff, emergent. He wrote a book, I forget the title, but it was about how in the end, at the end of the day, everybody gets to go to heaven no matter what you do or what you believe. That sounds good, doesn't it? Most people would love that message. The only problem, it's wrong, and that, embracing that message will actually send you to hell. Universalism. I mentioned Chrislam, the seeker-friendly, the purpose-driven, the ecumenical church. Well, we're going to get all these different groups together, and since we all believe different things, that means we've got to all agree to believe nothing. Do you remember the video I showed you a year or two ago of the Pope and how he had an Islamic cleric? He had an imam, and he had a Protestant, and he had this group and that group one after another, and embracing them all and bringing them together. Did you know the Bible teaches that in the last days under the Antichrist, there will be a one-world church? It's coming soon to a planet near you. Yet Jude was warning about it some 2,000 years ago. And then... I don't know how many of you have heard of Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Community Church, Chicago. He's the granddaddy of the seeker-friendly. They all learned it from him. He's the one that after 9-1-1 brought an Islamic imam in to speak into his church, Willow Creek Community Church, and tell the congregation how Muslims believe in Jesus too. Right after 9-1-1. Rick Warren's the guy who got up at the presidential inauguration of Obama and prayed in the name of Jesus, only he used the Arabic name, Isa. Really? How many people in America speak Arabic? How many Christians speak Arabic in America? Well, who was he doing that for? Rick Warren. In the name of Isa, we pray. Could these be creeps? Oh boy, I'm going to get crucified. I've already been crucified on Google for slamming Rick Warren. Well, Rick, if you don't want me to slam you, as if he even cares. He's the one with the megachurch. He's the one with all the millions of dollars and all the books and stuff. But if it bothers you, Rick, that this little guy in Albuquerque is criticizing you, get your stinking act together. So Bill Hybels... And by the way, I was warned by um, Jacob Prash. How many remember Jacob Prash? Good guy, Messianic. Came and spoke in our church. And um, Roger Oakland, great defender of the faith. Very close associate of Pastor Chuck. Once Pastor Chuck died, they gave him the boot. He was on Chuck's radio station until Chuck passed away. Then there was a house cleaning. These guys came to me. We had a prophecy conference over here at the shopping center where our church used to be across the street, there where the CVS now. We had a prophecy conference there. Had to be 12, 13 years ago or more. And they um, had a lot of inside information on what was going on. And um, we went to lunch and they were telling me, you need to go to the Willow Creek website, he said, they said, and 
there's a place on there for associates of Willow Creek. In other words, churches who wanted to be associated with them, be in relationship with them. We have a Calvary Chapel Association where all the churches associate. We're not a denomination, but we have an association. We have fellowship together. We have conferences and so forth. And then Willow Creek had an association. They said, I want you to go look at their website because there's like six Calvary chapels on there that are associated with Willow Creek. And I'm not going to tell you who they were. (laughs) You could ask me afterwards. I might tell you. We have our own association. Why do they want to be associated with Willow Creek? Interesting question. Because even within the Calvary Chapel movement, there are some that want to be part of what's up and coming, what's new, what's cutting edge, what's postmodern, seeker-friendly. See, no one is immune. If you don't listen to God, if you don't listen to Jude, if you don't listen to the Word of God, anybody can be vulnerable. And if you're offended by the truth, you might as well just kiss it goodbye. Because you will go that way sooner or later. I've seen it happen over and over again. People that I never thought would go off the reservation have gone off the reservation. Because if you don't stick to the word of God, you're going to get in trouble. It's that simple. The minute you start going by your feelings, your emotions, what's popular, what's new, what's hip, what's happening... You're going to be in trouble. And that's where we're going to have to stop. That's only half my notes. But we'll continue on next time with more warm, fuzzy, fluffy teachings from Jude. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I don't know about everybody else, but I love this stuff. Lord, you showed me you loved me a long time ago when you died on the cross for my sins. I don't need to be pampered. I'm not a spiritual snowflake. I don't need my puppy and my hot chocolate. I just need you, Jesus. I don't need you to lie to me. I don't want you to lie to me. You're the way, the truth, and the life. The whole world lies to me, Lord. You have spoken the truth, and you said the truth would make us free. I want to be free. I don't want to be in bondage, Father. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength and the stamina you give us to stand firm in these last days. Lord, we do want to go forth in your love. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. But Lord, that doesn't mean we have to be wimpy, wishy-washy, or compromising. Help us to know the balance. Help us to know how to behave. And we're going to see that here at the end of the book of Jude. That some are won over with gentility. Others are won over by scaring them. Sometimes we need to be scared. We should be scared. We should be concerned. We shouldn't just think we can do whatever we want and still be a part of your eternal kingdom. Lord, I know what brought me back was reading about the last days. And I knew that I needed to get right with you. So we pray, Father, that you would just help us to endure, to persevere. Your word says that he who endures till the end will be saved. Thank you, Lord, that we are eternally secure in Christ. Help us just to stay with Jesus where we belong. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.